Hello and welcome back to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast that takes our favorite properties and reboots them before Crackle has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them. And I've covered wars, you know. Okay. This week I am rebooting the popular zombie-smashing video game series Dead Rising. Okay, cool. Uh, Dead Rising was, uh, it first began in 2006, if I remember correctly, released by Capcom. The first game stars intrepid reporter Frank West, he's covered wars, you know. Uh, he okay. hears about some weird kind of military quarantine going on in the town of Willamette, Colorado. So he uh, flies down there with his chopper friend. And he sees the zombie apocalypse has started. And so he uh, sneaks into the mall there and tells his chopper friend to pick him up in three days, because by then he'll have the story or whatever. Okay. Then him and a bunch of survivors are trapped when the mall gets overrun with zombies, and so they have to, like, secure themselves in the security office. And then he has, uh, Frank has three days to investigate the mall, kill zombies, find other survivors, kill humans who have snapped because of the zombie horde, and also figure out just why this zombie invasion began in the first place. Okay. And that three-day timer is the most notable uh, mechanic of the franchise in that it is it is not three days in real time. I think it's like a quarter length. I don't, I don't know how many hours the game is. But it's basically, it still takes you a while. And the, three, the clock is constantly ticking down. I, th- I think it pauses at certain cutscenes. Okay. But yeah, the clock is always going. And there are certain in-game events that only happen during certain times. And so if you're too slow to get to one, then it'll vanish. And if you're busy doing another thing, then it'll, like, expire before you have the chance to get to it. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on there, too. It also is well-known for being able to kill zombies with anything. Cool. Anything you find. So, like, most people use the old reliables, which are 2 by 4s and baseball bats. And, yeah. you know, sometimes just other sporting goods. Mm-hmm. But you can also use guitars, and you can use soccer balls, and you can use uh, drills, and hammers, and fire axes, and spears, and tents, and umbrellas, and pizzas, and CDs, and roller skates, and bicycles, and chainsaws, and you can uh, mix the alcohol together and it makes you breathe fire somehow. This is not a realistic game series. You can also, it's made by Capcom, so if you uh, clear certain missions, you can unlock the real Mega Buster. Okay, cool. At the beginning of the game, you can find a toy Mega Buster that just shoots, like, ping pong balls. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, like, if you, I think in New Game Plus, if you uh, clear it with a high enough level, you can just roll up with an actual arm cannon that shoots lasers. Cool. Um, that's also, uh, Frank West has appeared in multiple uh, Capcom fighting games. And in the Marvel vs. Capcom ones, his main finishing move is real Mega Buster. <laughs> Nice. That's his official name. It's what he shouts when he uses it. The Mega Man X armor surrounds him. <laughs> Capcom's like, well, wh- why did you want us to put Mega Man in the game when we already have Frank West dressed as Mega Man? It's like, oh, Capcom, you make a lot of decisions. Yeah. I remember back when uh, Mega Man appeared in Smash Bros. And the general se- consensus was Capcom is so bad being Capcom that Nintendo had to be Capcom. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. So yeah, Dead Rising. It was good. It didn't sell very well in Japan, but it made pretty, like, it sold gangbusters in America. Sold a million copies within its first year. Yeah. Which was pretty good for a game that was essentially just, like, a demonstration of the operating capacity of the Xbox 360. Because the whole premise was, we can have a hundred zombies on screen at a time. 
Okay. And you can kill all of them. Yeah. But yeah, so that was the first game. That's the general premise. That continues mostly for the next two games. Okay. Okay, so Dead Rising 2, we have a new protagonist, Chuck Green. He's a former motocross star who was now uh, relayed... He is now relegated to participating in reality shows where you kill zombies. Because in the four-year time span between 1 and 2, which also happened in real life, the second game didn't come out until 2010... In those okay. four years, uh, zombies have become a regular occurrence across America, and so they're basically relegated to either a pest that the military has to deal with, or you can just round up a bunch and buy them for your reality show, Terror is Reality, which basically involves Chuck and some other motocross boys having driving around uh, BMX bikes with chainsaws attached to the front. <laughs> okay. And just driving through zombies. And the reason Chuck does this uh, is okay. because his daughter, Katie was bitten by uh, his wife, her mother, in the Las Vegas outbreak. Well, oh yeah, Las Dead Rising 2 is not set in Vegas, it is set in Fortune City. The reason for this is because Vegas was completely destroyed by zombies. Okay. <laughs> so they had to build a whole new Vegas. Yeah, of course. So, fortunately, there is a, a temporary cure. If you get the Zombrex vaccine every 24 hours, then you can stave off zombification. And so Chuck has to continuously do all these things in order to afford the vaccine for Katie. Yeah. Then naturally something happens and the zombies get loose and the whole like strip basically is overrun. So that's the thing. Like the first Dead Rising was one mall. The second Dead Rising is a whole strip of like four malls and a hotel. Yeah. Plus the whole courtyard in between them. It's great. It's big. I extremely like the game. I just recently found out that they re-released it for PS4. So I'm going to pick that up (laughs) at some point. The other big thing that Dead Rising 2 introduced was the crafting system in which you could basically paste together two items into a singular item. For example, the nail bat or the knife gloves or whatever it was when you attached a, you duct tape, literally duct taping things together, duct tape a fire axe to a sledgehammer. Okay. Or chainsaws to the antlers of a moose head. Oh, wow. And then you put the moose head on and then you just run through the zombies. (laughs) This is not a realistic game series. <laughs> not at all. Um, and then the what happens through Dead Rising 2 is that Chuck uh, is framed for being the one who unleashed the zombies, so he has to clear his name. He has to find at least three doses of Zombrex for Katie so that they can survive until the evacuation. And he has to find out who actually uh, broke the zombies out. Yeah. And... Well, so that's the thing is like there's always like a twist right at the end where it's actually even though it's three days, that's really more like four days because you enter the overtime if you've completed enough stuff to start going towards the true ending. Yeah. So in the overtime of Dead Rising 1, Frank finds out that the zombies are because of like American experimentation on like the parasitic wasps in South America, that they were trying to use them to infect the cattle with a disease that would make them like breed faster. But instead, they just created zombies. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, a guy named Carlito saw the zombie infection ravage his village and then get completely covered up by the U.S. military. So he infected 50 orphans and basically just airdropped them across America to create a bunch of outbreaks in order to sh- like show the world what America had done. And then that's the twist uh, near the end of Dead Rising 1. You have to team up with Carlito's sister, Isabel, who was actually working on the project. And she's like trying to atone for herself by like fixing things. Yeah. And so that's how... Frank gets bitten and him and Isabel have to team up to find a way to cure Frank or at least stave off the infection so that they can break the story to their presses and reveal what the US military did. Okay. That's the that's the the thesis or not the thesis but like the 
the issue of Dead Rising 1 is basically U.S. military interventionism, kind of, sort of. Yeah. One part that, one part just testing in countries that aren't America. Mm-hmm. Um, the premise of the second game is the pharmaceutical capitalism complex, because basically the zombies were unleashed so that they could run experiments on them to create more queen wasps, which are required to uh, make more zombrex so that they are able to keep up with supply, but they're still going to overcharge people for the Zombrex. Yeah. And so then, and then the one guy who's like the only security guard who survived the outbreak, it turns out that he was responsible for the outbreak to begin with because Uh he's working for Phenotrans. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, that's basically Dead Rising 1 and 2. The third game was a bit of a departure because it's, instead of just one area, it's the whole town. It's like, it's not a city. It's not It's not like Spider-Man PS4 entirety of New York. It's a fictional town in Los Angeles called uh, Los Perdido. But you do get to roam around the entire town. And the yeah. protagonist in this one is a kid named Nick. Okay. And he, like, once again, he's gathering survivors, killing zombies, and trying to find w- out how the zombie outbreak happened and keep everyone alive until the military come in to evacuate everybody. And then the twist for that one is that the military is not coming to evacuate. They're coming to kill. It's yeah. not much of a twist. <laughs> American military. Yeah. Um, and that Nick is actually one of the orphans from Dead Rising 1, except instead, like, he has immunity to the zombie virus. Oh, and, okay. And the outbreak was staged by Isabel, who was basically trying to flush out that one immune orphan so that she can use him to manufacture a cure. Yeah. And the big departure from this one was that Instead of three days, you get six days. And it still counts down at the same rate. But it does mean there's a lot more wiggle room. And a lot of people weren't sure if they liked that because then it's there's less of a challenge. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm all for making things easier for people, but this one is something where it's like, you took away the premise. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, sort of. Or at least you loosened it up. And I, I understand wanting to be able to do like everything in a single run but part of the replayability of dead rising is that you can't do everything in a single run Mm -hmm. like you kind of want to do the first run just get through the story as much as you can the second run is like trying to find all the secrets get all the survivors fight all the optional mini bosses yeah all that kind of stuff um and also if you die you have the option you can either reload from your previous save or you can restart the game but with all of your like skills and levels and items that you had access to before Cool. Most people opt for option two, even though that do- if sometimes that does mean that you have to fight like the same mini boss ten times before you're actually strong enough to deal with him. Yeah. Um. But yeah. De- also, Dead Rising Three wasn't as like slapstick, I guess, as the first two. Mm. It certainly seems like it's more gritty and edgy. Yeah. Um. And a lot of people were turned off by that as well. So then, Dead Rising Four comes out in 2016. It was advertised as a return to form, quote unquote, because Frank was back. Frank had appeared in the second game as well in DLC, and he was mentioned in the third game. Yeah. Um, but now Frank was back. He was, was back as the playable character again. Yeah. And they're going back to Willamette, the town from the first game, which has been rebuilt, and they're going back to the mall. And then there's another zombie outbreak. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's also set shortly after Christmas, too. Or the outbreak happened at Black Friday. He doesn't get there till like January though. But like the, the basically the, everyone's been living there for the past month. Everything yeah. is Christmassy. Yeah. Consumerism. Yay! I think I, if I remember correctly, the third game's issue was uh, illegal immigration, and so then the fourth one is just like, why don't we just go full Romero consumerism? Yeah, I was about to bring up Romero. Yeah, which also apparently Romero's estate did sue. 
Capcom for copying Dawn of the Dead because zombies in a mall. And they did not win that suit, which makes yeah. sense because that's literally the only thing it has in common. And Romero was like, when asked for comment, Romero, I guess, just went, I don't know what Dead Rising is. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I guess he was either covering his ass or his lawyers just did a thing. I just don't think he's a gamer. <laughs> yeah. I think he just does not care. I think he went to the John Carpenter school of, no, why would I sue someone over a story that's slightly similar? That's stupid. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but the a lot of people didn't like Dead Rising 4 because the story was dumb and bad. <laughs> okay. Because it was basically... So the third one ends. It's like, we've we found the cure. We're distributing the cure. Soon zombies will not be an issue in America. And then the fourth game is, actually, now we have super zombies. And they can run. <laughs> Yay, 28 days later zombies. Yeah, well, it's also like... It takes away some of the fun from the games because part of the appeal is just get get whatever you can get your hands on and just mm -hmm. smack things around. Like, the zombies aren't tough. Most yeah. of them will go down in a single hit. That's why you have the zombie kill counter right at the bottom that's continuously going. Yeah. But if if the, you, like, you have to dodge them and chase them down, like, the reason the humans are dangerous in the game is because the humans are the ones that will pick up weapons and run around and, like, are hard to kill. The yeah. zombies are almost set dressing at a certain point. That's the other thing. Mm -hmm. Any piece of zombie media where the humans are the real villains is always going to be more interesting if it's just, oh no, zombies. Mm -hmm. um, it also took away the psychopaths, which were the main like bosses, the optional bosses throughout the previous games. Yeah. And they were interesting because they always got like their own little... First, you'd get foreshadowing of them. Because whoever is your like person with the internet connection talking to you on the walkie-talkie, that alert you like, hey, I was looking at the cameras, it seems like there's something weird going on at the toy store in this part of the map. And you go down there and you're like, it seems fine to me. And then like the fucking creepiest mascot head you've ever seen looms behind and is like, hi, I'm Slappy. <laughs> and and then you're there like, hi, Slappy, do, do you want to come back to the safe house? And like, oh, I don't know. Hey, you look like that guy who's responsible for the zombies. I should kill you because the zombies killed my girlfriend, who I decided was my girlfriend this morning, after she died. Joy. I've put lighter fluid in some water guns. Pow, pow. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, Dead Rising 4 took all of those out. Instead, they replaced them with the Maniacs, which is basically just themed roaming gangs and like i can get the appeal of like fighting the normal zombies and all of a sudden a bunch of pirates show up and you have to fight the pirates yeah but you don't get any stories related to like the actual leaders of these gangs yeah except for the drama teacher who turned himself into a pumpkin head man okay also also the biggest thing from dead rising 4 they just took out the time limit you, it is completely free roaming. How, take it at your, your leisure, wherever you want to go, whenever you want to go. Which yeah. is, now you really have just taken out the whole premise. Yeah. So yeah, nobody liked Dead Rising 4. It severely underperformed. There's a reason why we haven't heard hide nor hair of the Dead Rising franchise for the past four years. Apparently there was a leak of like upcoming Capcom titles that they plan on announcing soon, and it's got like major stuff like the next Street Fighter and like a Mega Man anniversary collection, stuff like that, and also like resurrections of old game franchises like Power Stone and stuff. Mm -hmm. There is not even a hint of Dead Rising in there. Mm. So. So. Time for my Dead Rising. Time for Dead Rising 5. Cool. Which you you could consider a canon to Dead Rising 4, but you don't need to. But also, here's here's the fun fact. So three and uh, Dead Rising 3 
Doesn't take place in the year it came out. Dead Rising 3 takes place in 2021. Yeah. So does Dead Rising 4. <laughs> oh, wait, no, Dead Rising 4 takes place in, like, January 2022. What? Anyways, point being, we can have it set now. Yeah. But we could also have it set, like, just after 3, like, as the cure is being distributed. And what's the one thing that everyone started doing as soon as there was even the slightest hint that COVID, that, the, oh, the pandemic's over? Everyone started to fucking party. Yeah. Especially the rich. Because the rich yep. can afford to. And yep. in, in the real world, honestly, I've actually made my peace with that. Because you know what? You're rich. You can afford to keep yourself in a bubble. You can afford to keep yourself and other people safe and still do, like, stupid social shit. And yeah. it's like... I don't like that you can do that, and a whole bunch of us still have to go to the front lines and serve people at grocery stores, but- Again, disease does not care. It takes out kings just as much as it takes out the rest of us. Ex- exactly. It's just it's just the rich can afford to not be exposed as much. Yes. And so that's why I, I'm trying to- I tried to justify it. It's like, you know what? You have the money to not expose yourself. So I'm just going to assume that you're being safe as you can while still doing party shit? Yeah. Um, and- <laughs> Because if I don't do that, then I'm going to lose my fucking mind. I have to assume there's some modicum of sense left. Anyways, this is a video game. In a video game, we can just feed all the rich to the zombies. Or the rich can be fed to the zombies themselves. (laughs) But most importantly, gotta change up the setting. Because Dead Rising 2 expanded on the idea of the mall with the strip. Dead Rising 3, it kind of like almost pared it down, it seemed, because it was like a whole town. And so like... Yeah, you have actual stores that you can run to and stuff, but you also just have a bunch of suburban house areas. Yeah. And again, I haven't played it. Maybe it works, but I feel like that wouldn't quite work because it's just the same homes over and over again. Yeah. There was, there's no pizzazz. There's no flair. Uh, and then Dead Rising 4 goes back to the mall. So my Dead Rising 5 setting is a cruise ship. Ooh. Now, this is partially inspired. I mean, I've, I've always kind of wanted to have Dead Rising on a cruise ship because I felt like that was the next logical escalation. Fortunately, like, earlier this year, someone posted, like, uh, or there was a whole a Tumblr thread on, like, stop using hospitals as horror settings. That's, like, d- counterproductive. The yeah. fun alternative would be cruise ships because, like, they're very exploitative. They're very cut off from everything else. It's yeah. very easy to get trapped on there with a killer or killers or curse or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, crimes committed aboard cruise ships are under the jurisdiction of whichever country they're registered to once they're a certain distance away from land. So, like, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Uh, but the main things come from Tumblr user Hexaline, who it does appear that they actually have worked on a cruise ship or have been on a cruise. Although it sounds like they may have been on the cruise against their will <laughs> <laughs> because they don't seem like pleased by it. Um, I was on a cruise. I'll say I had a fairly decent time, mostly because like I didn't get seasick. As it turns out, natural sea legs. Um, nice. But- like there was like stuff for I was um I think it was about like 16 at the time and there was stuff for us to do and there was stuff for the little kids to do there was nothing for kids Ryan's age to do ooh he was bored and he was sick sounds like a shitty cruise <laughs> yeah well we also just so happened to cruise between Florida and the Bahamas during a cold snap ooh like, it wasn't, like, here cold, but it was still unexpectedly cold and uh, rough. But as I said, I did fine, because as it turns out, I'm like my dad! I'm just naturally inclined to the ocean! <laughs> <laughs> so Hexaline has, uh, says that here's some fun things to consider about cruise ships. 
there are usually at least three theaters at varying levels of fancy. And I yeah. like because it says that there's also movie theaters, I'm pretty sure the, these theaters are like stage theaters, like for plays yeah. and musical acts. Yeah. There are also multiple grand staircases. They have at least two massive grand halls with massive staircases and plants and indoor creeks and shit. Mm-hmm. A whole bunch of actual nightclubs that are usually age-segregated hangout places. Yep. Um, uh, older ships pre-2009 are all stuck in hilariously 90s settings. Yeah, that was my ship. <laughs> usually one whole floor that is casinos. Mm-hmm. A library slash board game room, so like a uh, gentleman's study. Yep. Whole bunch of restaurants. Oh, yeah. So many fucking elevators. So many stairs. Yep. Endless identical hallways of doors to rooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, a sh- an actual shopping mall. And this this one I'm probably going to break from reality because, like, you gotta put a hardware store in the Dead Rising game. It probably wouldn't make yeah. sense for there to be a hardware store on a cruise ship, but we can, like, we can just say that they put one in there because they didn't care. They, they got a really <laughs> good, I they got a really good deal from home hardware. <laughs> this was specifically, like, a home hardware convention ship. <laughs> like uh, what 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 did you uh get for souvenirs when you went on the fancy cruise oh i picked up some wood glue and some drill bits yeah. <laughs> listen the game is like i've mentioned this is not a realistic game our protagonist can definitely mention like why is there a hardware store on a cruise ship whatever yeah yeah this is mostly to um soothe my father because he does listen to the podcast <laughs> and i can just hear him go what? They can just go down to whatever department to get all the hardware equipment. You know, and and here's the thing, I did consider that, but that's not as funny. Yeah. <laughs> keep, keep in mind, this is a game this is a game where you can also like keep zombies from attacking you by putting stuff on their heads. Like you go to the toy store, you pick up all the like the big Lego minifig heads. Okay, technically they're servobot heads, but for, for your dad's understanding <laughs> <laughs> They're like Lego minifig heads. They're big phone Lego minifig heads, and you pop them on top of the zombies. And the zombies, like, wiggle around trying to get the heads off, and they can't do it. And it's funny. And then you can kill them while they're wearing the heads, and it's funny. Yeah. Um, you can also, one of the weapons that you can make is the drill bucket, which is just a bunch of drills through the bottom of a bucket. You slam the bucket on top of the zombie's head, and the drills start going, and then you just keep pulling. <laughs> nice. This is not a physically accurate game. No, <laughs> my dad can appreciate that sort of stuff. I mean, he liked playing uh, the zombie mode on Call of Duty, so yeah. <laughs> um, other things there are on a cruise ship. Uh, outside, there's usually mini golf course and running track. And I'm pretty sure I've seen cruise ships like from the outside. That also has like full fitness centers. Yeah. Both indoor and outdoor. Speaking of fit- fitness, there's also spas, many spas. Yes. Uh, the penthouse rooms, oh, which yeah. that's where we can get weird because they can be themed. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the lifeboats around to remind you of your own mortality. <laughs> yes. Actual doctor's offices and sometimes operating rooms. And morgues. Oh yeah, morgues. Yep. People die. Uh, cholera outbreaks are not unheard of. Um, very stealthy cleaning staff that often leave little towel animals or some other cute themed gift. This yep. is very exploitable for horror. Oh yeah. <laughs> and... The hollow illusion of wealth that the ships try to sell you on. Mm-hmm. And also the waves. You're you're out to sea. Yeah. If you are on lower decks, then you will, like, ex- at some point experience your windows going underwater. Yeah. 
Um, also, interesting fact about cruise ships. So they are set higher so that they can balance a bit better uh, so that like the passengers aren't that sick. But it means that uh, they have to go slower because of like the draft and all that. Whereas a naval vessel, like what my dad has sailed on, those are set lower in the water, which means you really get a rockin' when the waves start going, <laughs> but you can go faster. <laughs> no, I want this to be a big... Even though we probably wouldn't utilize the entire cruise ship, I want it to be a massive cruise ship. Yes. And how far out to sea are we? <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. We don't even need to be that far out to sea, because we could be just far enough that we can't easily get back to land when the zombie outbreak happens. Yeah. And then because they have to quarantine the boat, either... Either it can be that even going slowly, we'd still have to wait three days, or it's just like, the captain's dead, most of the crew are dead, we have to wait three yeah. days no matter what for like another boat to come and rescue us, and who knows how long that the actual rescue is going to take once it starts, because they basically have to clear the ship floor by floor. Okay, so we could set this in the Caribbean. Okay. So we can throw in weather stuff, because like starting in like late summer into the fall, that's when hurricane season is. So it just happens to be that. Plus, like, you could get bloated gross zombies as, like, kind of a mini boss. Or, like, just a tank, let's say. Yeah. I mean, hurricane season is another cool thing. Not cool thing, but, like, a mechanic that we could utilize in the game. Because yeah. weather has never really been an issue in the games. Obviously, there's a day-night cycle because you have to go through the 72 hours. Yeah. But weather has never factored in. I think, like, setting it out to see the weather can actually be extremely important. And yeah. also, the weather is always going to be the same. Like, it's not random like it is in the new Pokemon game sometimes. Like, suddenly yeah. you go on a road and it is raining now. No, yeah. like, there are specific times for the weather that you can track and memorize to optimize your playthrough. Because, like, maybe there are some bosses or some survivors that only show up during certain kinds of weather. Yeah. Plus just the waves. I feel like... Getting into a severe storm would be a great place for the final boss because oh, yeah. there's 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 absolutely going to be like either a private military contractor or one of the rich idiots or maybe it is even the captain of the ship himself or something going on. Yeah. And you have to fight them one on one, but also there's a bunch of zombies closing in. And I can definitely see a situation like the the uh, the helicopter swoops in and you jump onto the leg and like kick the guy and just as a wave is coming and so he like is like stumbling back and then just falls into the ocean with a whole bunch of zombies around him. Okay. Have they ever established whether or not animals can become zombies or is it just a human disease? In the first one, they imply that like there's an infected poodle, but you don't actually ever deal with the poodle directly. Mm. Um, it would make sense if it was cross-communicable, at the very least with, with beef, because <laughs> yeah. that's how this whole thing got started. Um, <laughs> But you you do lead me to, in a roundabout way, one of my points, which is the psychopaths. Yeah. I, first off, I don't really want to call them psychopaths yeah. anymore on account of what I said last week about the getting trying to get rid of the stigma of the mental illness attached to the killers. Yeah. I want these to be people who were already assholes and yeah. less, less that they, I mean, we, maybe they're a little on edge because they're surrounded by the undead. But yeah. they were they were already not good people beforehand, and they are definitely using this to their advantage. They got than the permission to indulge in their worst impulses. Yes, either that or just like be, again the theming of the rich and a post post pandemic air quotes yeah. air quotes. I can definitely see it as just like the, the rich are so disconnected from the reality of the situation that. 
They, like, they know there's zombies around. They know that the zombies are dangerous. They just don't care. Because it's more important for my thing to happen. Mm-hmm. So just to give you an idea of some of the other psychopaths that have happened, or some of the, I should rephrase, to give you an idea of some of the bosses that have happened in previous games, yeah. specifically one and two, because those are the ones I'm familiar with. Yeah. And those are the ones that like kind of have the fan favorites. Um, both of them have had chefs that are like trying to f- eat people. They like, they've just gone full cannibal and trying yeah. to feed humans to other humans. I thought a neat twist on that would be like, you hear about something going on in one of the restaurants and you assume that it's another situation where like, oh, the chef snapped and the chef is trying to like do cannibalism now. But yeah. actually it's like one of the customers. Mm-hmm. is like a rich person who's like so fed up they're like i basically i'd waited so long for this meal i was told this was a great restaurant and now my entire dining experience was ruined so now i am holding the kitchen hostage to prove that i'm a better chef <laughs> and so yeah it's not the any of the kitchen staff you have to take out it is this like rich asshole yeah also there was in dead rising 2 there was a tiger <laughs> okay it was it was like a um oh who are those who are those two guys with the tigers? Oh Siegfried and something. Yeah, it was a Siegfried and Roy situation yeah. where you had to fight the Siegfried and Roy XPs as a different boss, but then later on you can find like the enclosure where the tiger is being kept and the tiger's keeper. Now the unfortunate thing is that the tiger's keeper is like explicitly has a mental illness, like he mm-hmm. has Down syndrome or something similar, and you you actually have to kill him. In or be, uh, because like that's a scripted event. If you go in that area, you have to kill him in order to progress that little mini quest. Yeah, and I was always really uncomfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the more the, the other thing though is that you do not have to kill the tiger. You you can tame the tiger if you bring three raw steaks with you. You can feed them to the tiger, and then the tiger gets converted from a boss to a survivor, which you can then escort back to the safe house. Nice. Now. Honestly, if I was remaking Dead Rising 2 today, I would just have it be just the tiger in a vacuum. Don't even worry about the keeper, because that's really gross. Or have the option to, like, talk the keeper down as well. Yeah. Um, also, also, you can give uh, Dead Rising 2, you can give Katie gifts to, like, keep her, not even for anything other than experience points. And the joy of seeing this uh, video game child happy that her daddy is giving her presents. Aww. One of the presents can be the tiger. Yeah. And you get, like, a massive experience point bonus, and she's like, wow, Dad, this is so cool! And then, like, for the rest of the game, up until, like, the final mission, yeah, the tiger's just lounging in the safe house with all the other humans. Nice. So, I'm definitely thinking... uh, So, on the one hand, there's gonna be, like, three or four hands here. So, there are going to be some survivors that are animals. Like, some people Mm -hmm. brought their pets with them. Yeah. Like, and maybe it'll be easy, like... You might be able to get into someone's cabin and there is just a cat there. And so you have to like go navigate, grab a cat carrier, come back, put the cat in the cat carrier and then yeah. take it with you. And so you have to be real, really careful because you don't want to accidentally hit the zombies with the cat carrier. Yeah, no. You have to make sure like if there's a dual wielding system, and the game's never really had a dual wielding system, which is like, why wouldn't you want to walk around with a tennis racket in one hand and a cricket bat in the other and just yeah. go ham? Yeah. So yeah, when you're escorting the cat, the kitty cat, back to the safe house, make sure you're pulling the the correct trigger so that you smack them with your tennis racket and not with your kit care, your cat carrier. Yeah, <laughs> which is like, 
It wouldn't hurt the cat, but it was like, if you do it too many times, the cat would get out and then go hide, and so you have to find a new cat carrier, then you have to go find the cat again, they have to get the cat back in the carrier again. Yeah. At no point will the cat be, like, under threat of dying, but you sure will be, because you were a jerk to the cat. Yes. Um, but also, you mentioned animal zombies. I, I, I would like you to have to fight a zombie dolphin. Yes! <laughs> like, I, I was thinking automatically zombie shark, but, like, zombie shark is kind of both A, done to death, and B, sharks don't actually operate like that. Sharks are nicer than dolphins, usually. Uh, unless there's blood in the water, because, uh, look up the USS Indianapolis. We, we could even say that there's no sharks in the area because, like, all the blood leaking into the water is real nasty zombie blood. Yeah. <laughs> they don't like it. Yeah. But dolphins, dolphins are fucking just. Yeah, like there's there's definitely going to be a few segments where like the ship isn't sinking, but some parts of the lower decks have flooded. Yeah. And so like you have to get in there to do a thing for a side quest, but there's a zombie dolphin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the third thing, there are in each, in the first game and the second game, there are two bosses you can actually talk down. Yeah. And the first game, there's a guy who's like a pyromaniac, and like, like you, I don't know how, but you, I, you can get close enough to him to talk him down, and you don't have to kill him, and he'll become a survivor that you can escort, and then he'll give you free Molotov cocktails whenever you talk to him. Yeah. And then in the second game, there's like a white dwarf starlet who's trying to stage her comeback to her, and she has like kind of had a mental break in that she doesn't realize there's zombies all around. Yeah. And so she like, she thinks you're her assistant. Uh, she fired the other assistants, and by that I mean she has taped them to chairs with bombs underneath them. And she won't set them off unless you refuse to help her gather her stuff. So, like, you have to get her sheet music, you have to get her a nice cocktail, and you have to get her, I don't know, like, a new wig or something like that. And then she does a whole performance, and you have to do a full-on rhythm game within this. <laughs> and then she, like, goes to greet her adoring fans, and it's just some zombies that have gotten into the area. And, like, once you, like, beat the zombies away, she realizes what's going on. And then you can actually escort her and her entire, like, staff back to the safe room. Yeah. And so I would like there to be some bosses that you can talk down. And these would be the ones who, like, they had a mental break because of the zombie thing. But yeah. if you play your cards right, and you don't just assume that you have to kill this person... If if you pull an Undertale, yeah, on the, at least these bosses, then you can actually uh, like navigate. Like they'll realize what's going on, apologize for their actions, and you can navigate them back to the safe house. Yeah. Um. I also because I, you want like a fun, catchy name for them instead of calling them psychopaths or maniacs. I was thinking calling them the castaways. Yeah. Like like a Tom Hanks do. Yeah. <laughs> um. Um, I'm trying to think. I thought I had other ideas. Uh, uh, there's always... Every game has, like, a security guard that's... It's gone to their head. Yeah. And that one, I'm fine with keeping the same. Mm-hmm. Someone who's declared themselves first mate because the the rest of the chain of command has been eaten. Yeah. And then when you say that, uh, but you, like, you should come with us, we're waiting for an evacuation, like, no, you're just trying to edge in my promotion. Now I'm gonna have the zombies eat you instead. Haha. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Probably something something to do with the casino. Um. In the second game, they're not bosses, but there's a group of survivors that will not follow you to the safe house unless you beat them in poker. Okay. And because you can only have a certain number of survivors spawn on the map at a time, if you want to like get the easy ones in, the, some players apparently have just gone out of the way to kill the poker survivors. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that they can actually go recruit the people who will like come with you automatically, or all they need is like, food or pants yeah. 
Oh, there's one poor girl in the second game where she's like a showgirl basically in a giant clam because it's like the Atlantica casino. And so everything's like under the sea themed and yeah. she's dressed as a mermaid. And you could like realistically you could have just given her pants but you have to carry her and she stays in her mermaid outfit the entire game because she went commando that day oh okay i was just looking at the tv tropes page and one of the bosses is seems like to be a cult leader and i was just thinking okay what if one of the bosses is the head of the spin class because those can get fucking weird Oh yeah, that would work really well. And again, that's that's rich people shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So I also I remembered another one. But f- to to explain that, first I have to go back and say uh, the actual character, the player character. Yeah. I do want this to be a return to the roots mechanically, but a fresh start, like plot wise, kind of. Yeah. And so it's a new character again. Apparently, it's a, I didn't notice this before, but it's a theme that all the playable characters have names ending with K. Okay. Because you had Frank, you had Chuck, you had Nick, and then in the fourth one you had Frank again, but a lot of people think that uh, the main character in that one was supposed to be his student Vic. Okay. V-I-C-K. Um, and she also would have been the first girl playable character. Yeah. Well, no, there were some in DLC, but they weren't like the protagonist. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking for this one, we can have a girl uh, name yeah. her Brooke. Yeah. Without the E on the end. And my idea was that she's She's a social media influencer, but, like, a very jaded one. Yeah. Maybe... Maybe on the, say, D or T, or D or... Somewhere around there list, or maybe, like, they were A tier, and are a bit past the prime? The, I, I was thinking more so that it's very much a Stepford Smiler thing, and, mm. like... She she probably started when she was young, like she started yeah. when she was sixteen, like she had her own vlog channel and everything. We're doing makeup tutorials today, and then as time has gone by, she's like realized how shallow the whole the industry is. I guess it is an industry now, yeah. But she's realized how shallow the whole thing is. But like she also like every time she tries to branch out into something else, it fails. And so like this is her most reliable source of income. Yeah. Just getting on Instagram and going like, "Hey, bestie, today we're gonna talk about what kind of fashions you can wear while hunting zombies." Okay. Um, and then as soon as she cameras off, she's like, oh my god, I hate this. I hate this so much. And so she would get invited to the cruise. Basically, I also like your idea that she's not quite as A-tiered. Like, probably at this point, the, the, the mask is starting to slip and people are like, she doesn't seem as fun as she used to. This is boring. Yeah. But she gets invited by one of her other friends. And it's like, bestie, you should go on a cruise with us. All the girls together. Girls trip. Of course. I'll pay your way because I know all your protein shot ads aren't paying you as much as mine. Thanks, Michaela. <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, in the first two games, there's a rival character that ends up being a boss. In yeah. the first one, there's like another photojournalist that is trying to take better photos than Frank. And every time he gets upstage, and so finally he's like, I'm going to catch a photo of someone getting eaten by zombies live. And Frank's like, nope, you've gone too far. Now I have to kill you. Yeah. Uh, and the second game is uh, Chuck's rival from Terror is Reality, yeah. where he's like trying to mow down living humans with his chainsaw bike. Yeah. He's like, it's more points, dude. And I don't think that guy had a mental break at all. I think he always just wanted to murder people, honestly. Uh, as I said, like, there's just some people who are waiting for that kind of permission to do stuff that they've always wanted to do. Exactly. 
You know, I actually, I read an article where people like zombie media this much because it's an excuse to just wail on quote unquote humans. Yeah, it's, it's a somewhat healthier way of getting the anger and that energy out than, you know, actually wailing on people. Yeah. And also like the way I'm envisioning Brooke's character, she's been holding a lot of shit in. And so this is like, it sucks because it's a very dangerous situation, but also... If given an excuse to just go to town on some undead motherfucker with a baseball bat, oh, this is therapy. Yes. <laughs> um, but anyway, so Michaela can be Brooke's rival. And I'm thinking, because <laughs> I, I don't want like long stretches where you just have to navigate that, the, the hallways of cabins in the lower decks. But I do, did want to make use of them somehow. So I was thinking that like every few hours or whatever, Michaela like texts you. Yeah. And it's like, hey, like, come find me down here. And then you go down there. And of course, it's filled with zombies. Yeah. Um, and like, Michaela will be like, so guess what? I kind of fibbed. I'm not down here. But you know what is down here? The latest installment of t- hashtag terror is reality. Brooke, I really want to help you get your name back in the A tier. So how about this? I've like hacked into the cameras of the boat. And I'm going to live stream you doing awesome zombie slaying stunts down this whole hallway. Well, first off, it's a deck, and second of all, uh, Michaela is a fucking bitch, but also that fits, yeah. <laughs> and it would basically be like the there. There's so many games where like they have the mini game section, and that's just what the lower decks would be. Is that yeah. every like so often Michaela unlocks another four for you, and she's like somehow she has set up a new way for you to kill zombies, and like the the challenges to get through. And Brooke is like, oh, I I hate this so much, but you know what? If there's less zombies down here, less zombies I have to deal with elsewhere on the boat. Also, at some point, I probably should, like, Michaela's terrible, but she shouldn't have to die. Yeah. <laughs> but then you get to the bot, like, the bot, not the bomb floor, because, like, that's where plot things would probably happening. Yeah. But you get near the, like, the end of the cabins, and you find Michaela with a bunch of hostages, and she's like, so, Bestie, now you have to fight these zombies within X amount of time, or I'm going to blow everyone up. Content. Where's my uh, son of a bitch bat? (laughs) (laughs) And actually, I just thought instead of you actually like you can try to talk down Michaela, but then like she she will definitely not even be interested in like being nice to people again. And also, obviously, any of her hostages aren't going to trust her if you were like even considering taking her back to the safe room. But maybe if she's like trying to escape to another part of the boat to try and stage another mini game, that's when she gets eaten by the zombie dolphin. (laughs) Yay! That's and that's how you find out about the zombie dolphin. Oh, could it be like in that one? Oh, I forget what it's called. Is it Deep Blue Sea? We're yeah, like... Deep Blue Sea with Sam Jackson. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's like the chunk of the game. Also, I was thinking maybe have it be four days. Yeah. Um, but also make sure there's stuff to do in the four days. Like that's the thing is that there, there's always a lot to do in, or at least in the first two games, there's always a lot to do. I feel like Again, because you had twice the amount of time, but like almost less things to do in the third game, that's why a lot of people didn't like it. So I think add a fourth day as part of the main campaign and like an equivalent amount of things to do in that fourth day, and then yeah. the overtime is day five. Yeah. And then all that's left is I don't I don't know why there was a zombie outbreak. Like I listen, I can roll up in here with themes and shit. I don't actually know how the zombies got on this boat though. Uh... All I know is that in, in true dead rising fashion, it was probably intentional. Yeah. Okay, maybe... So with influencers, they tend to have sponsors. Maybe this was some sort of plan from Michaela's sponsor because of the whole trying to provide that game show? Oh, yeah, that actually... That makes a lot of sense, because also... 
the host of that show from Dead Rising 2, he makes it out of the game alive. Like, oh no, he doesn't. He does. You know what? I think he gets kicked off a building, so we could probably say that he survived somehow. Yeah. Deus Hang on, let me quickly check what happened to TK. <laughs> also, I just want to say, uh, the the Dead Rising 1 and 2, they have such a, a good, delicious, low-poly count. Nice. <laughs> mm, feed it to me like grapes. Um, yeah, I was looking at the pictures of the characters, and they gave me a very strong Team Fortress 2 feel. Yeah. <laughs> After getting a helicopter and landing on the helipad of the safe house to pick up both Stathy and Katie, Chuck notices Katie's backpack had fallen off her as she slept. Quickly going to pick it up near the elevator, Chuck's arm is grabbed by TK, now a zombie and having found his way back to the safe house. Okay, so TK did die. So in that case, it can just be the producer yeah. of Terror is Reality. Yeah. It was like, we were going to recruit Michaela. She was going to lead. This whole thing has been a game show. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> that's another rich person thing. Yeah. Well, it would be like, also, no, it would be like, not, not quite a game show, but more like an inspiration thing. It's like, we wanted to show the world the oh, true heroes of the yeah. zombie apocalypse. <laughs> oh, God. Now everyone clap at 7 p.m. Fucking inspo shit. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that oh, that makes a lot of things. Like, it's... Like, obviously, I'm a fan of, like, oh, the U.S. government is actually very insidious. And it's like, it is. But yeah. <laughs> it's already been done four times. Or no, three times, I guess, the whole Dead Rising. So it's, it's about time for another one that's just weird capitalist rich people bullshit. <laughs> yeah. America was founded by a whole bunch of opportunists. And... Never broke the habit. Like, the biggest difference between... Canada has done some of treasure shit, but, like, the thing about Canada is that we're just a bunch of corporations with a uh, medical system attached to it, so... Yeah. Yeah. I've always said that Canada's just as bad as America, except Canada tr tends not to brag about it. And that's such a low bar. <laughs> and it's not... Canadians are polite and nice. We're the passive-aggressive middle children of an empire. I'm more just thinking of the, the government continuously trying to sue people for saying, hey, residential schools were bad. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um, as I said, corporation with the medical system attached to it. Yep. Um, is there anything else I can think of? You can actually use a cell phone in this game and yeah. talk to like whoever's your mission control person yeah. in the safe house on the boat. Yeah, and failing that, we might be able to say one of the things that Brooke has to get is, or you, the player, has to get is a satellite phone. Oh, yeah, that would work, too. I yeah. mean, there's, like, usually the games use walkie-talkies, and, like, they invent a reason why you can't reach the outside world. Yeah. I do think, though, it would be interesting if, like, that was an option. Like, the isolation isn't because no one can contact you, it's because you're on a boat in the ocean. Yeah, so communication is going to be touchy at best. Yeah, but also some stuff can still get through, and so yeah. like like you could the, one of the mechanics can be a feed going through. Like maybe that's a way you can spot survivors if you like check the trending tag. It's like yeah. hashtag a zombie boat. Can somebody help me? I'm stuck in Ace Hardware. <laughs> yeah, and another thing that we could uh, do with the weather mechanic is that so in real life, electronic signals are affected by heat and humidity. Oh yeah. Yeah, the colder and drier the weather is, the more likely you're going to get a stronger si signal. If it's hot and humid, um, it it gets really touch and go sort of shit. Okay, so yeah, so you you're more reliable to rely on the walkie-talkie with your mission control person, but you can use the the phone to try and scope out some side missions. Yeah, and oh, the other thing. So 
One of the more notorious things from the first Dead Rising game is that the the AI for the survivors was terrible. Yeah. Like, if, it was, if even one single zombie got close, they would, like, run away from you and cower in the corner and usually then get eaten by more zombies. It was a struggle trying to escort survivors back to the safe house. Yeah. Dead Rising 2 really improved on that. You could give them weapons. And, like, you could you could actually roll into a boss battle with a full party of survivors and then just go and wail on the guy. Nice. Just give give all your women a two-by-four and then bring the tiger. And then you can sit back carrying the mermaid girl while everyone else just beats the shit out of this, <laughs> like, incel mascot man. Nice. So I was thinking maybe kind of expanding on that, having some survivors that are competent enough that you could even send them on side quests. Like, okay. almost have a base management mechanic in the game. Yeah. Where, like, you can talk to people. You can always talk to people in the safe house. And, like, there are some people who... You'll get a report from mission control persons like you might want to talk to this person because they seem to get really edgy and you have to go like complete a mission for that person or they'll lead a mutiny and like mm-hmm. drag a bunch of random a random section of survivors out and then they'll all die. And yeah. then you'll lose out on points you could get for getting X amount of survivors to the end of the game. Yeah. And so that can be a thing too. But I, I think also like there were there are gonna be good people there who like now that you've gotten them out, they want to help you. And you can like, okay, uh go check this thing down here. Here's mm-hmm. uh I I taped a bunch of what's oh what's a weird mashup weapon that we can make i duct tape a bunch of knives to this garden hose yeah (laughs) it's dangerous to go alone take this (laughs) it's like in a wuxia film where they have like the knife that's on the end of the rope and they (laughs) (laughs) oh and then like i was i was also thinking like i feel like people are going to expect pirates to show up like real world pirates but I don't want them to be like, uh, I'm the captain now, like creepy, yeah, like hyper exoticized and almost dehumanized looking guys. I want mm-hmm. them to just be normal guys who are just trying to provide for their families, which are usually what pirates are. Yeah. Um, it's not an ideal living, but it's capitalism and colonialism. Yep. So some actual pirates like do show up, but like. They're another situation where you can easily talk them down, and it'd probably be easy because, like, they recognize the situation, like, oh, we didn't want to get on the zombie boat. Oh, well, we can't leave now because the zombies have gotten onto our boat, and now our boat's destroyed. Yeah, and I don't know, you get you get access to the purser's office um, maybe early on, and you're able to, like, if you have to bribe them off, you can just, like, toss a bag of money at them. Yeah. I also, I do like the idea of at least one of them kind of becoming, like, your Lancer by the end of the game. Yeah. Like, if you can keep him, like, if you can keep him alive to the end, then he actually, like, will end up joining you in the final boss battle mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Not the love interest, just the pirate bestie. Oh, yeah. Asexual pirates who don't want your booty. <laughs> exactly. Oh, fuck. I just thought of another weapon that you could use. Flare guns! Oh, yes, Flare. Oh, that would be good. And fireworks, because there's usually fireworks on a on a cruise ship. Yeah. You got pyrotechnics. Oh, there there could definitely be a situation where you, like, you, you find, I don't know, like, an, an RC car, and you just put some fireworks on it, and then light it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some, some of the mashup weapons get weird. One of them is, if you can snag, like, an automated turret from one of, like, the paramilitary mercenaries in Dead Rising 2, mm-hmm. you can combine it with the giant teddy bear to create Freedom Bear. Nice! A bear turret with a minigun. Yes! That has somehow developed an AI conscious. 
don't fucking care. That's boss. <laughs> Let's see, where are we? Uh, we're almost at time. I'm trying to think. Also, just put in, what, what's a real Capcom weapon we can put in there? Capcom did uh, Castlevania, right? No, that was Konami. Ah, oh, shit. Oh, Capcom did Phoenix Wright. Okay. So what if, what if one of the special weapons you can get is a gavel, but it, when you uh, hit the zombie with it, the big objection shows up. <laughs> oh, what if um, what if one of the mini bosses too, as a shadow, is like <laughs> a court session? <laughs> <laughs> because admiralty law exists. Th this is true. Is it, is it is it the clown one with the balloon boobs? <laughs> sure. She, she snaps her suspenders too hard and they pop. <laughs> this happened in a Phoenix Wright game, apparently. <laughs> oh no! You know what it would be? It would be like a a parody of Phoenix Wright. Who I've never played a Phoenix Wright game, but it's my understanding that he's kind of a doofus. Yeah. This kid is trying to like read the defense while the zombies are closing in, and everyone else is like, dude, dude, there's no come on, come on, man. And you basically have to defend this guy while he goes through his entire closing arguments, and then, like, he, like, kind of, like, realizes what's going on, and then you can finally escort him, but <laughs> the whole time you're, again, wailing on the zombies in the background, he's like, and I found the real autopsy report! <laughs> um, oh, another idea I had was, like, Again, going back to rich people thinking that their needs are more important. Like someone who's like forcing a, a, a theater troupe at gunpoint to like continue their performance of Hamlet or whatever while there's yeah. a bunch of zombies in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, they're sitting, they're sitting with a sniper rifle in one of the opera boxes and you have to like navigate up there in order to take them out. Oh, I know the exact scene. It's the uh, play within the play part. When Hamlet's giving the instructions to the players about what they're oh, supposed yeah. to be doing, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and I can, okay. So, so you go in there and like you find them backstage, and you're like, "Hey, we gotta get a move." I'm like, "No, no, we can't." There's, there's still people on stage, and if they leave when it's not their cue, then we're just gonna get taken out by the weirdo in the in the opera box. And so you can have the option: either you can go and take out the person with the gun, or you can give a weapon to the person you're talking to. Like, okay, I'll play your role. <laughs> <laughs> while you go take that person out. And so then it turns into like a quick time event game where it's like or one of those Mass Effect dialogue trees where it's like, oh I hope you know your Shakespeare, because if you if you select the wrong line, you're gonna get a bullet in the chest. Yes. <laughs> English majors rejoice. And and then like after you take care of that castaway, you have to escort like the, the entire Ren Fair back to the safe room. <laughs> yeah. In costume. Yeah. Well, that's that's another thing. Is like so many people, like they'll have weird outfits, or like they'll only be wearing their bikinis or stuff like that. You can definitely like get side quests from them. Like, can you please get me some pants? Yeah. <laughs> I think that covers all the things I'd like to see in Dead Rising Five. Yeah, that sounds like Dead Rising Five. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> it sounds like a really fun game. Yes, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm a video game maker person. <laughs> I know that I would play play that even though i'm not a big fan of zombies no it's not even that gory okay yeah that's good i was especially especially make... if you're playing the original two games because they, they haven't really been remastered so yeah. like again if, if you're just turning someone into a fine mist using the business end of a lawnmower it just looks like a bunch of red pixels yeah 
Anyways, uh, I've covered friendship promos, you know. The bin situation has not improved. In fact, it's a disgrace. One house. Decisions about my child's well-being are up to me, not you. Five flats. Ignore what Jill has written on the bins in white paint. It is wrong. Six very different residents. Concerns about the pesticide's implications for higher cognitive functioning are speculative at best. Trapped in one never-ending email chain. It is my joy in life to be a peacemaker. However... Introducing Dear Bastard, a new sitcom podcast coming July 27th, 2021. You are engaged in a brazen act of fraud. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Search for Dear Bastard Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or click the link in the bio. Best wishes, Jill. Thanks, Gabby. Robbie and Luke, XOX. Yours sincerely, Barry Fenley. Lukewarm salutations, Rolene. Cheers, Trevor. Ah, now wasn't that a great friendship promo, Lindsay? Just like Mom used to make. Sure, Tanner. <laughs> so anyways, uh, what boats can you be found on the internet? Um, I can be found on Twitter at LindsayM476. That's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for not if I beat you first. They're pronounced Real Mega Buster! You can also email us at notifireboutyoufirst at gmail.com, or you can send us your comics, critiques, criticisms, and your favorite weird combo for weapons. There's also one where it's just a car battery duct tape to a rake. That's... Okay. Okay. I don't see how that one will work, but okay. Anyways, you can also email us a friendship promo, and that can be an audio clip or just a proof for us to read, but either way, we'll put in a free ad for your podcast or your YouTube or even your DeviantArt channel. Not if I reboot you first is a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can talk more about the show or others on the network via our Corner Podcast Discord. Our cover art, as always, is by Alex, and her work can be found on ptchew.com, and our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake. You can contact us to find out how to contact him if you please give his own for your own. This podcast is recorded on Treaty 4 Territory, the traditional lands of the Cree, and Sotil, Assiniboine, and Métis. And last but not least, don't forget that you can buy this episode for yourself. It is not an NFT, it is just your name on a spreadsheet, but for a $5 donation to the North Central Family Center, link in the description, we will declare that you are the owner of this podcast episode or any episode you so desire. So Tanner. So Lindsay. I think the people have decided. Yes, oh yeah, it is another people's choice next time. Yes, so the people have decided that next week I shall be rebooting Twilight. Oh, hold on, spider monkeys. <laughs> we'll be talking about that brand of heroin next week, but not if we reboot you first. Bye.